uh, Jennifer's daughter. Uh, obviously, you can tell that looking at them, and uh, and certainly appreciate uh, appreciate her being back here, and and she's just up visiting and offered and offered to play the piano, and we're glad to have a piano player. So praise the Lord for that. Thank you for that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up Psalms chapter number seven. Psalm chapter number seven, and. Uh, this evening, we're going to look at Psalm chapter number 7. Psalm 7 really deals with the slandered saint, uh, the slandered saint. It's amazing, if you follow God's will in your life, there will always be those who hate you and will look for ways to hinder, hurt, or ruin you. And uh, usually when you live right, your life condemns other people just by the fact that you don't do what they do. Um, and, and that just bothers them. Uh, they feel convicted being around you. The Holy Spirit of God uses your life and, and the fact that you live right uh, to kind of spur other people. And, uh, and so that bothers them. And the problem with all of that is uh, if you do live a godly life, then they're going to try and find a way to hurt you. Uh, because it bothers them that you live right, and it bothers them that you do right, and they don't like that. And, and because you do live right, it is hard for them to find a way to, to hurt you. And so uh, the next greatest thing that they can come up with is, well, they'll make stuff up about you. And, uh, and so they'll, they'll start to find ways to talk about you or uh, gossip or just say things that are not true. And as we look at this psalm, that is what's been taking place in this psalm. And what's amazing about this psalm is that the, entire, the, the, uh, the slandered saint uh, turns it all around at the end and he uses the harsh situation that he's in as a, a means of praising the Lord. Boy, what a blessing. Uh, that's what we ought to do with our life. Uh, you know, even though things are, are sometimes can be hard and difficult that we go through, we ought to find a way to praise the Lord in even the hard circumstances that we find ourselves. Matthew Henry wrote it this way. He said, Thus let the injuries we receive from men, instead of provoking our passions, kindle and excite our devotions. And boy, what a, a great truth that is. Uh, Psalm chapter number 7 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from, from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands... If I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. Let's stop right there and uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in your house, Father, around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts and encourage each and every person. Father, that's here tonight, God, will thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this psalm uh, in verses one through five that we read, we see the slandered saint, or the boy, I can't say that. 
the slandered saints' persecution. That's, that's going to be a problem because I have that all through my notes. The sand, slandered saint. Uh, hopefully I'll get that right before the end, all right? The slandered saint's persecution in verses 1 through 5. I want you to notice he opens right up with verse number 1, and he makes a statement, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Uh, boy, what a great opening statement. And as you read that and as you think about that, uh, it, I believe just because it's his opening statement, that was his uh, first response. That's what he uh, first declared, and it was his dependence on God. You know, we tend to go to the people that we're most comfortable with. You know, if something bothers me, uh, then I'm going to go to somebody that I'm comfortable with to talk to that person. I, I'm not going to go to somebody that I don't know well. Well, you know what that tells me about the psalmist's uh, relationship with God? He had a sweet relationship with the Lord. And, and it was something that he was comfortable going to God as his first response. Uh, and what a great relationship that David had uh, with the Lord. And oh, how we ought to have that kind of a relationship. You think about this. Uh, I've mentioned it many a times. But when David was alive, he didn't have the whole Bible. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have uh, many of the books even of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, he wrote most of the, uh, the Psalms and he wrote some of them. And so uh, we find that he, he didn't even have as much as, as we have as far as the Word of God. But think about this as well. In the Old Testament, they did not have the promise of the Holy Spirit that indwelt them and was with them every day. Man, we're blessed to have the whole Word of God to have the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go to help us and strengthen us. And our relationship ought to be such that we're comfortable going to God with any problem and any situation in our life. Uh, and that's something that's important. We need to develop a relationship with God like that. His dependence upon God. He declares that right there in that verse, that first phrase, the opening phrase there. I want you to notice his danger as well as we see the slandered saints' persecution. Uh, he says there in verse number one in the middle, save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. And he says in verse number two, lest he tear my soul like a lion. Now, we're, we're looking at this, and, and uh, it says in the title of the psalm, verse above, if your, if your psalm has the titles there, it says, uh, Shagion of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. Benjaminite. And uh, we don't know exactly who Cush was. The Bible doesn't really tell us. And, uh, but we do know this. These are about the words that he spoke. And, uh, and how he slandered David and how he was uh, attacking David. And if you read that in verses 1 and the, then in verse 2, lest he tear my soul like a lion, uh, can I tell you this, that slander hurts personally. It, it does. Uh, you know, we teach our kids, and I taught my kids the same thing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And, and that's good for a kid to learn um, because they need to toughen up a little bit. But can I tell you something? Words do hurt people. 
And we need to be careful because words are very damaging. And it's painful when people set out to destroy or hurt you. And, uh, and it can cause a lot of mistrust. Not only does slander hurt personally, but slander damages your reputation. Uh, you think about King David. And, uh, and you think about the fact that his son, now this wasn't this case during this time, but you think about the case when his son ran him out of the kingdom. And, uh, and boy, if he could just, you know, say some words and, and uh, all of a sudden the, the nation of Israel had turned on, on King David and, uh, and they are no longer trusting him. I'm saying this, that words can be very damaging to someone's reputation. I thought of this illustration as well. Uh, when David was, uh, before he was king and after he had killed uh, Saul, or not Saul, killed Goliath, excuse me. And, uh, and, and after that, Saul just, it bothered him. He didn't like David. And so what did he do? He declared David his enemy. And he told everyone else that he was his enemy. And, and what happened to David? David had to flee. You remember he was in the temple uh, at one point, and, uh, and I forget the guy's name, Doag, I think it was, uh, saw him and went and told Saul that, oh, I saw him in the temple and he was getting Goliath's sword. And, uh, and Saul went and killed those priests that were in that temple for giving David the sword. And David had to flee and lived outside in the wilderness. Why did he have to do that? Well, because of Saul was after him for one thing, but then Saul also made it known to the kingdom, he's mine enemy. Wait a minute, what did David do against Saul? He didn't do anything. It, it was slander. It was all words that were against Saul, uh, David, but it caused David that he could not even enter into town for fear of being turned over to King Saul. And, uh, and David lived, he was not against King Saul. He did nothing uh, to go against King Saul. Matter of fact, you go back and read it, and, uh, and we'll look at this as well. It's even touched on in this passage. But on two separate occasions, he had the opportunity to kill Saul, and he didn't do it. And so David was very innocent in all of that. But it was the words that were spread and the words that were given out caused for David to have to flee for his life. And listen, slander can ruin somebody uh, and destroy their job opportunity, destroy their, uh, their, their reputation. And it's tough to get that back uh, when other people believe somebody who's slandering. And so uh, we see the slandered saint's persecution. We see his dependence upon God and his danger that he truly was in. Look with me in verses 3 through 5. We see his declaration of innocence. Look at what he says in verse number 3. This, uh, this gets a little confusing as you read it. I had to read it several times. But look at what he says in verse number 3. O Lord my God, and, then he, and he says this, and you have to pay attention, if I have done this, and if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, we'll come back to that parenthetical statement. Look with me at verse 5. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. What David is saying is, listen, if I truly had done what they have said that I was doing, and if I was really that bad and did everything, then let mine enemy persecute me. That's what he's saying. Uh, and, and he's not saying that uh, because he's guilty. He's making a declaration, I'm innocent of these things. 
Um, I mean, nobody's going to step out and say, well, you know, uh, if I did all of that, then go ahead and punish me and then, and then take the punishment. Uh, that is not what he's saying. He's saying, if these things were true, which they are not, then let my enemy punish me. And look at his parenthetical statement there in verse number 4. And uh, he says this at the end of verse 4. Yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. In other words, I have saved him, not delivered him, but, uh, but allowed him to live. And I think that's in reference, perhaps, of King Saul, when David had allowed King Saul to live on two different occasions. Matter of fact, I, I, I love David's conscientiousness because at one point he takes and he cuts the corner of Saul's robe off just a little piece of it, and he takes his water bottle, and then he leaves. And uh, in the morning, the Bible says when, when, light, when they can know each other, uh, he, he calls out to King Saul, and he says, Hey, is this a piece of your robe? And, and King Saul looks, and he's like, Why, yes, that is a, a piece of my robe. And is this your water bottle? Yes, it is my water bottle. And later, the Bible says that David felt bad for even cutting the king's rope. I love David's conscientiousness. He's just, he's just very aware of right and wrong. And, and his armor bearer, Joab, wanted to kill Saul. And he said, no, we're not killing him. He is the Lord's anointed. God has established him as king. And we are not going to go against him. And so uh, we find that David is declaring his innocence here in verse number 3 down through 5. And that's why we have all these if clauses. If I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me. In other words, if I had done these things, and he's not saying he's perfect, but rather that he's innocent in this cause and in this slander and in this situation. Uh, and so uh, it's interesting to look at his declaration of, of innocence. Look with me in verses 6 through 9, and we find the slandered saint's petition. The slandered saint's petition in verse number 6. He says, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes. Therefore return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end and establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and the reins. He says there in verses six through nine or six through eight, rather, uh, we see uh, we see the whole thing of his petition. But here in verses six through eight, he says he says, I want you to see my cause. I want you to see my, my side of things. And he says there in verse number 6, he says, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. And he's praying, Lord, recompense me, uh, defend me. Uh, stand up for me because I'm innocent in these things. I haven't done these things that they have slandered against me. And so he's asking God to stand up on his behalf. I'm reminded of the verse 
In Romans 12, 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. What a true verse. And don't, don't misquote that like the little boy in Sunday school that said, uh, Vengeance is mine, and the Lord said so. Uh, don't misquote that verse, all right? Uh, it, it is God's. And, and how quick and, and, and tempted we are to lash out when somebody says something against us. Even if we don't want to lash out, we're quick to say, well, I didn't do that. That's, that's foolish. Why would I do that? And we're quick to jump to our defense. And David here is saying, Lord, you see my cause. You know me. You know what has taken place. And so he's saying, I'm asking you to recompense, intervene for me. And uh, uh, David really doesn't have uh, anybody to turn to in the world, but he turns to God. And he says, hey, God, I need your rec recompense in this situation. And, and of course, he's trusting in the Lord. And, uh, and he turns it over to the Lord uh, there in verse number 6. Look with me at verse number 7. He says, I will declare the decree of the Lord. Thou hast said unto me, Thou art my son. I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter 7, verse number 7. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes. Therefore return thou on high. In other words, if the Lord defends uh, David, that they'll turn on him and attack the Lord. And of course, that's not going to be good. And, uh, and David knows that. And so uh, he's saying, hey, see my cause. And then he asks for God's judgment. In verse number 8, he says, the Lord shall judge the people. In verse number 8, he says this, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness. Now, don't read that and think, well, David thinks he's perfect. No, David doesn't think he's perfect. Uh, you see that throughout many other psalms where he doesn't declare his own righteousness, but he's declaring his own innocency in this case, in this slanderous case, where he's saying, Lord, you know I didn't do this. And so on this case, judge me in my righteousness because I'm innocent of those things, and I did not do those things. And so he is asking uh, the Lord to judge him. And by the way, if he was guilty of those things, he certainly wouldn't be asking the Lord to judge him on those things. And, uh, and so it further uh, stands to his defense uh, that, that he is innocent uh, in this matter. And not only that, but in verse 9 then, he, he says, stop the unjust. Look what he says. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. And this is his prayer. His, his petition uh, is that, he, hey, see my cause. See that I'm just. Understand my side of things and, and, and judge them uh, according to their works. And then he's praying, hey, end the wickedness. There's nothing wrong with praying that God would stop the wickedness. Matter of fact, we could certainly use more prayer that God would stop the wickedness. I don't know about you, uh, but, but sometimes there have been things going on, and I'm just, Lord, this needs to stop. And you need to put an end to it. I can't put an end to it. I'm not in a position or a place that I can put an end to it. But God, you are in a place. Hey, listen, some of our government officials, we ought to pray that God would put an end to their wickedness that they're trying to instill into laws in our government. 
Um, there's nothing wrong with praying that. Uh, we ought to pray that God would end the wickedness. And that's exactly what David is praying for. He's saying put an end to their wickedness. Uh, there's been times I've prayed that God would confound their thoughts and not allow them to have uh, reasonable thoughts and, and, uh, and even come uh, th that they would have, make any progress in the things that they're doing. And, uh, and David is praying just that. He says there, put, um, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. Not only end the wickedness, but look at what he says there, the second phrase but establish the just. In other words, there's a battle going on there. And the wicked were undermining the righteous. And they were slandering the righteous. And they were saying things that weren't true so that the righteous uh, were not established. And, and they were uh, people were discrediting and disbelieving. Boy, it sounds like a lot of what goes on today. Uh, there is a lot of discreditation of Christians and churches that goes on in media in general. And, uh, and they're discrediting. And they're saying, well, they're, you know, this and that. And they want to paint Christians as one thing. And listen, uh, we ought to pray that God would end the wickedness, but then pray too that God would establish righteousness. That people wouldn't believe the slander, but rather they'd look at things and say, wait a minute, these two things don't add up. This doesn't make sense. They're saying this, but I know these people, and they're not like that. And that doesn't line up, and it doesn't fit. And, and, and so we ought to pray that God would establish our righteousness. And if we're going to do that, we've got to live right. We've got to do right. And we've got to have a, a good testimony. And I find it amazing that David wasn't there um, trying to establish his own righteousness. He took the whole case to God. And said, God, you have to end the wickedness and you have to establish my, my, uh, my righteousness or those that are righteous because I can't do it. And we ought to be very careful not to sing our own praises. It leads to, it leads to pride and pride goes before a fall. And we don't need that. And so we need to pray that God would establish our righteousness and that he would end wickedness. Not only do we see the slandered saints petition. I want you to notice in verses 10 through 16, we see the slandered saints preservation. Look with me in verse number 10. He says this, my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordained his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. Uh, that word pate just simply means the very top of his head. Uh, that's what that means. I looked that up because I knew you'd ask. And, uh, and I asked myself because I was like, what is pate? Um, but we find here uh, he, his, his preservation. And, and he pleads in verse number 10, his defense 
is in God. Now this becomes a repetitive theme throughout the Psalms. He says in verse, throughout this Psalm, he says in verse number one, uh, Lord, I put my trust in you. I'm depending upon you. And then he repeats that in verse number eight. And he says, hey, my case is prevented to, or presented to you, God, and I'm asking you to judge my case and for you to, uh, to look at all of this. Uh, he says that in verse number eight, he says, the Lord shall judge the people, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. And then in verse 10, he says, uh, he says this, my defense is of God. In other words, hey, God is my defending attorney and he's going to stand up for me because I've, I'm innocent in all of this and I place my trust in God. And so he repeats that several times throughout this psalm and it's very clear that his defense is in God. Look in verse number 11. He says, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked Every day. God judges the righteous. And uh, praise the Lord, if, if you've been saved, uh, man, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And we say, hallelujah, that uh, I, I'm not uh, condemned on my sin, but I've been washed. That's why we sing that, that blood, or, or that song, Are You Washed in the Blood? Hey, praise the Lord, we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And, and Jesus Christ has cleansed our sins. And so we will stand before God righteous, not of our own righteousness, but because he paid the price for us and he saved us. But I want you to notice the fate of the lost there in verse number 11. It's really quite sad. He says in the second part, God is angry with the wicked every day. What a sad state, really. The Bible tells us that in, in Ephesians, it talks about being at enmity with God and being at war with God and being against God. And the Bible says in John 3, 36, the last, well, the whole thing says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. And the last part says, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And I'm glad the wrath of God does not abide on me. Not because Shane Rice is a good guy, but because Shane Rice has been saved and trusted in the Lord as his own personal Savior, washed in the blood. And I thank God for that. And so God is going to judge uh, the, the, the wicked, and that's the preservation of the saints. And we see the, uh, I want you to notice in verse number 14, he turns, you'll read through this, and if you don't pay close attention, he starts talking about the wicked in verse number 14. Look at what he says. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity. He ceases talking about God. He was talking about God in the preceding verses. But in verse 14, he starts talking about the wicked. And he says, uh, Behold, he travaileth with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit, and digged it, and is fallen into the ditch which he made. That would be the guy that was setting the trap and slandering and trying to destroy the other person fell into his own trap. That's what it's saying there. And it says uh, in verse number 16, his mischief, that be the guy that was setting the trap and the guy that fell into his own pit when he was trying to catch somebody else, his mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own 
paint. In other words, hey, they self-destruct themselves because they, uh, they go out and they slander and they gossip and they say all of these things and they try to destroy other people and, and in the end, it all turns around right on them. I've heard it said multiple times that, um, uh, that, that those that are, are pointing the finger and saying they're doing this and they're doing, they're doing, they're doing all this, usually they're the ones that are doing exactly what they've accused everyone else of. Well, that's the Bible. They, they've fallen into their own trap. The, the, the destruction has fallen all right back on their own pate, the Bible says. And, uh, and they've hurt themselves. And it blows back on them. And they are destroying themselves. And so the psalmist recognizes that. And listen, sometimes we get all up in arms and we get concerned. And I'm with you. I'm like, Lord, why don't you judge them? Why don't you take care of this situation? Why do you let this continue to go on? God, God knows what he's doing. We don't always know, but God knows what he's doing. And it'll fall down on their head. And it will come back on them. And it will, it will be destroyed. And then look at verse number 17. We see the slandered saints praise. He says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. He's saying, you know what? I could worry. I could fret about all this slander. I could go out and try and defend myself. But you know what? He's come full circle. Lord, I'm trusting in you. My faith is in you. You're going to judge. You're going to take care of it. And in the end, they're going to fall in their own traps. They're going to destroy themselves. And so God, why am I going to, I'm not going to waste my time. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to spend my time honoring God. What a great response that he comes out with, understanding and realizing, you know what? God, I'm yours. And, and you're going to work all of this out. And I'm just going to praise you. What a great response. Boy, how we could use that in our life. And just look to the Lord and say, you know what? Let them do what they're going to do. And you just praise the Lord. And live your life right. You'll give yourself ulcers. You'll give yourself a heart attack. You'll give yourself uh, all kinds of a stroke. Just, just worrying about all of those things when you could just turn it over to the Lord like, Saul, like David did. And say like he said in verse number one, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. And trust in the Lord. Let the Lord be your defense. And let the Lord uh, take care of all of it. And, and we can just simply praise the Lord according to his righteousness, knowing that, hey, he's going to do everything right. He's not going to mess up. He's not going to get it wrong. God doesn't uh, need to be convinced of uh, if we're right in an area. He already knows it. And, uh, and he's already very much so aware of that. And so I hope and pray that that is a blessing to you tonight. As we stand to our feet, we'll just have a, uh, a short um, invitation of prayer, or, or short invitation. Father, we thank you.